What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshan. And thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today. I just realized this is our first, this will be our first episode for the new year. So happy new year, everybody. Happy new year, homies. We made Um, it. We made it. And in honor of the new year, we have a very special episode for you guys today. We are having our very first guests on the podcast today. And in honor, we had to invite on the always amazing, the very talented hosts of Fear the Talking Queers, Frankie and Jake. Woo! Yes! Hi! <laughs> Hi! <laughs> How are you guys? Good. Oh, we are spectacular. We're here. We're queer. Year. And it's a new year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that oh was my God, good. Dr. Seuss. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, for all the homies listening, why don't you uh, tell us about yourselves? I mean, we know about you guys, but just in yeah. case there's people listening that don't know for whatever reason, <clears throat> listen to their podcast. Uh, please <laughs> give, us a, give us a little plug about you guys. Well, I'm Frankie. I'm brunette. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> uh, and I'm Jake. I'm I'm blonde. I'm the bombshell. I'm the Marilyn of the group. <laughs> and we have a um you, we have a horror podcast just like the homies here, where uh, weekly we just drop a new episode where we talk about all things horror, all things gay, and um, it's a lot of fun <laughs> and we laugh a lot. Yes. Yeah, totally. And this is a full circle moment for us because you guys were our first collaboration on our channel and now we're your first collaboration. Yay. I know this is yes, super and, and you're And yes. And you guys are also the first time we've ever guested on another podcast fully. Like we've done like clips here and there, but um, yeah, yeah, well, we you guys are the ones where <laughs> this is really exciting for us too because now we get to be uh, a guest on yours. Aww. Oh my gosh! Well, well, we feel honored. Right? Thanks for being on our show. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, we, yeah, we were on their podcast. We did House of Wax. Yes. And yes. then <laughs> the one with Paris Hilton, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, the right. important uh, one. There's so. another one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. What? what? So, the, the one that matters. <laughs> the original. The, yeah. Yeah. The only one. Um, so if you guys haven't checked that out yet, you should go check it out. And then while you're there, just listen to all their other episodes. I don't know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Go check it out. And. We were so excited to have you guys on. Since we did the episode with you, we've been trying to think, okay, what movie should we talk about <laughs> when they're on our podcast? <laughs> and so we, we've we been meaning to get back to A Nightmare on Elm Street because we did the first <laughs> uh, movie. Mm-hmm. And I said, why not, why not hop on over to the second one with... <laughs> With Frankie and Jake, why not? Let's talk about the the gay love child of the Nightmare series. Oh my gosh, I know. Whatever made you think of us when you picked us? You guys just came to me. It just came to me in a dream. I was like, some for some reason this this makes this works. That was that was just us. We're fairies. It was just your fairies. It was just your subconscious working as you watched it. You're like, why do I feel like I would want to talk to Fear the Talking Queers about this? I'm like watching the movie. I'm like, huh, I wonder how Frankie and Jake are doing right now <laughs> during the dance sequence. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, who does this remind me of? <laughs> <laughs> but bo- before we dive into the movie, um, I would like to know what are your guys's feelings about the nightmare on Elm Street films in general? Do you like them? Do you not like them? What are um, your thoughts? I- I know for me, I sort of got into them a little late, um, but I, I've, I've I've seen the first one a lot, and but like the rest of them, other than Dream Warriors, which I had seen multiple times as well, but the rest of them I really hadn't. But actually, recently, since starting the podcast, and there was no reason that why I did this, but I decided to do a binge of all of them, and so I think I got. I don't think I got all of them. I got pretty far, but. 
with this series, there's only so far you can go before you're like, oh, God, I can't do another one. <laughs> like, I need a break. That's yeah. fair. Yes, because they, they sort fair. of... They sort of, I don't know, have a downhill trajectory as far as I'm concerned. But um, they're, they're still really enjoyable. And I love Robert England as as Freddy. Like that character that he created is just, you know, it's classic. It's iconic. It's, you know, chef's kiss of a character. So um, I love it. And uh, so now like we sort of did an episode on nightmare Two. We just had a, like a little clip in our pride episode. So now this is giving me an excuse to watch nightmare on Elm street two again. <laughs> so uh, thank you. Thank You're you for welcome. that opportunity because You're this welcome. is a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the nightmare on Elm street. The first one, um, a nightmare on Elm street. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I love that one. You know, I think I've seen all of them. I'm thinking about it now. I think I've seen all of them except Dream Child. That's like the only one I haven't seen. Mm. And I even may have seen that and just totally forgotten about it. But I love the character of Freddy. Um, And like I was saying before, people may be surprised to know that I'm a fan. I wouldn't say fan. Okay, that's a little, that's a stretch. That's dramatic. (laughs) But I would say that I, I'm not mad at the remake. I'm like, whatever about it. It's. I think it's kind of cool. I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. But obviously. Oh my God. Now the... they're never going to listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but they just immediately no, stop the space. episode. This is a safe yeah. space. Anyway. Speak, your, speak your truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a safe space. My favorite one is Nightmare on Elm Street 2. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say that the original, of course, is the most iconic. It's the best one. It has. It's just. But, you know. And Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors is a solid oh, yeah. follow-up. Very solid oh, follow-up. Oh, totally. Dream yeah. War- yes. Agreed. I think <laughs> this movie, it's obvious. I had seen it a couple of times before. Roshane, had you seen this one before? I realized while watching this that I think this is one of the few that I had never seen. Because... Oh. So, I watched most of them a long time ago when I was younger and like when we talked about it in the past on the podcast I'm always like I feel like I've seen them all but at some point like some of the other ones just kind of all blend together as just like a montage of people getting killed by Freddy um but this one was one of the few ones where I was like watching through the whole thing I was like I don't think I've ever seen this movie so I think this was my first time watching the second one unless I I blocked it out (laughs) Yeah, like some there's something about this movie that everybody just sort of forgets about. I feel like it's not talked about really um, until maybe recently with like the resurgence of that documentary that came out. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there is something that be, there's something in people's brains that just kind of wipe it from our memory. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And like usually there'll be like a scene or two where it happened with Dream Warriors where I'll see the scene and I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen this before. But this movie, now nah. I'm like, there was everything was brand new. I I remember a single thing. I was like, okay, this is a movie. I think it has <laughs> something to do with the fact that it's totally disjointed from all the other movies. Like there's yeah. not yeah. one single character from any of the other ones in this. Oh, whereas the other ones they kind of totally. transfer actors this one's just like totally on its own separate there's just reference yeah to it's like the weird one. stepchild yeah. <laughs> the yeah stepchild of of these movies it this movie to me kind of is this movie is to this franchise what like season of the witch is to me for the halloween <laughs> oh, totally franchise. absolutely and it's it's in the sense of have they not if they had slapped a different name on it, if Freddy wasn't in it at all, I, this movie would have nothing to do with the Nightmare series. <laughs> if not Freddy Krueger was not in it, like I would have been like, yep, this is a totally different movie. You'd have been like, so, that's the same house they used in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I'd be like, that's so <laughs> weird. They must have had like a really low budget. They're just reusing sets <laughs> these days. So yeah, it's just such a strange one. I'm so excited to, to talk to you guys about it though. But shall we get the plot? out of the way so we can dive into this boy <laughs> uh, let's let's go ahead and do that so as we said before this week we were talking about nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge <clears throat> five years after the massacre on elm street the walsh family have taken up residence at nancy thompson's old home Their teenage son, Jesse, attends the local school with his crush, Lisa, and his half-bully, half-bestie, Grady. 
While in his new home, Jesse begins having nightmares about a man in a striped sweater with a claw strapped to one of his hands. At first, he attributes this to the unusual heat within his home. But when he and Lisa find Nancy's diary documenting Fred Krueger, all hell begins to break loose on Elm Street yet again. Using Jesse as a vessel, Fred Krueger returns to our world to terrorize the living. Insert sexy dive bars, shower spankings, pool parties, and underage drinking here. Our film concludes with Lisa fighting for both her life and Jesse's as she goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the nightmare killer in an abandoned factory. And in true Freddy fashion, once we think it's over, we find out it's only just begun. Roll credits. Wow. Okay. Oh my God. Bravo. I know. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a single you. word missed. You should wow. see us trying to record a synopsis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. We're just like blah, 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 every five <laughs> words. So we I can't feel like the trick is just to not breathe throughout the entire thing and just spit it out before you fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Good to know. I mean, thank God for editing. <laughs> oh, I know. The true savior. But. Okay, I want to talk about something you said in your synopsis, though. Why was everybody so sweaty? Why is it so hot in this entire... This movie is so... is Everything's on fire. All of the men are constantly drenched in sweat. Yeah. And it's... Like, a heat is such a big part of this movie. And I don't know if they were trying to, like, tie that in with Freddy and fire, but it just seems so random that's what i that's <laughs> like how so i took it as and i actually wrote that as like a positive part for me with not not outside okay. of the home but in when they're in the house and like the air conditioning's not working and they're super hot and it's like that kind of like freddy vibe of like being burned and i that's how mm -hmm. i took it and i was like that's an artistic choice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I well, thought it was for, just an excuse for like Mark Patton to get oiled up. Like, yeah. yes, you know? first off, yes. Um, <laughs> on a like on a first watch through, right, and not really knowing where it was going, I gave the movie a little bit, a little bit of wiggle room where I thought they were using that as like a motif that like every time it gets super hot, that just means that Freddy is like on his way. Like we're about to get some Freddy stuff yes, every time totally. it's getting like hot and sweaty. But then that persisted to like 90% of the scenes. So that kind of like left halfway through. But right. I, I, I kind of agree with Frankie where like I did think there was a little bit of a parallel between like this idea that like Freddy's attached to heat. I mean, we know that he used to do the boiler room stuff and all that stuff. So it makes sense that like things would be hot around Freddy. But. I don't know. People were looking real oiled up the whole movie, I so I also agree with that. <laughs> but her. also, I, I took it as that also because in this movie, they portrayed Freddy like he's portrayed in no other movie where it's like he's this demon almost that can possess someone. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like that makes sense because, you know, like like in The Conjuring or something like that, demons around, you smell like rotten eggs or meat or whatever, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like or like like ghosts, it gets cold or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's like that same thing. I understand that. There was an interesting thing that I saw that the original idea for this movie is actually what they ended up using in Nightmare Five: Dream Child, where apparently Freddy was supposed to be possessing an unborn baby that was going to be um, uh, Jesse's mom. Like I guess Jesse's mom's. Jesse's mom was going to be pregnant, and then Freddy Krueger was going to possess the unborn baby. But they didn't go with that idea, apparently, because one of the executives at the time, when they were pitching the movie, was pregnant and was, like, really freaked out by the idea. So they oh had to swap God. it out. <laughs> Who let and her in the room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who gave her a, a voice? <laughs> um, Which, like, I, I kind of... I mean, yes, they did use it in a later movie, but, like, I like the idea, and it makes a little bit more sense to me that he would be like okay i need to get into the material world how do i do that unborn baby mm -hmm. that's my end that's like that's how i do it um that would have been like fun to see i don't know yeah. yeah i mean i think it's a cool concept but i think that the way they did this one uh, the actually the only thing i actually 
enjoy about this movie is are those possession moments where he's coming out of Jesse or when Jesse's kind of transitioning into Freddy. So I actually like mm-hmm. that they didn't do that because we wouldn't have gotten all of those cool moments with a baby. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but it would have been gross. <laughs> I mean, I, I like have this weird thing about the possession um, scenes though I'm like I'm not really sure what Freddy's end game is though mm-hmm. like he like he wants to possess uh, Jesse's body but it's like why like what is what is he gonna do with Jesse's body once he's out is he gonna like get a job is he gonna live a normal life work yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like, like it's never really explained like why Freddy's trying to come back and like possess Jesse's body. It's sort of just like it's happening, right. but no explanation I why, think, which I think is very strange. I think that this movie could have done with because they established it's like it's five years after the events of the first movie. I think that they just needed like a little exposition about like in that time, has Freddy still been killing people in his in their dreams or has he disappeared because if the case if if it's one of those like freddy versus jason things where nobody remembers him and he doesn't have any power in the dream world anymore then i'd be like oh yeah come out into the real world but they never really establish like if he's still powerful in the dream world or not so i'm like why would you want to come out why do you want to be on this whack-ass earth and planet like why wouldn't you just stay in the dream world (laughs) where you can do anything exactly (laughs) Mm-hmm. Literally, and that's the thing. It's like th- he has so much more power killing people in their dreams. Why? Like that's way easier to kill teenagers. Like other than being a, a human, I don't understand. Like why? Why is this what he desires to do? Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. Very and, he, and I think that he's such like a secondary character in this that he doesn't even have time to really explain himself, except. You know, maybe he's attracted <laughs> to Jesse because you have. I have the brains. You have the body. You got the body. <laughs> hey, I've used well, that one they, before. Someone, someone <laughs> did count. <laughs> someone out there counted, and apparently, Freddie's actually only in this movie for thirteen minutes of the entire runtime, oh, like throughout the entire yeah. course of the movie. That's that's not surprising. Yeah, that's yeah. that seems right. But and it's <laughs> oh, it's like it's weird because I don't feel like he's in the first nightmare. For very long either but in this one because he's so focused on jesse the whole time like even when he's freddy it just feels like jesse like i don't know if you guys felt like that but for me even when i was watching it and he did become freddy i don't know i was still thinking about jesse and i was always like is this jesse is this <laughs> freddy like what's going yeah, on <laughs> I, dude i wish that they had actually leaned into that a lot more that was one of my biggest notes is that even though this movie is like I'm, I mean I thought this movie was flawed along with a lot of people but like there was some cool shit that they could have played with yeah. one of them being this idea that he is becoming Freddy right, right. and they, they they do it a little bit when he's uh, when he kills Grady and he's like looking in the mirror and like it's Freddy but it's also him but then there's Freddy also there at the same time. Like that would have been really cool if they played with that idea a bit more throughout the entire movie. Like when they were doing the pool shit, I was waiting for the camera to like pan back over to Freddy and for it to be just Jesse, like freaking the fuck out with the claw on. Like I wanted to see some sort of like back and forth between the whole, is this Freddy or is this Jesse? doing things for freddy you know what i mean because like when we get to the pool portion it's i guess we're supposed to believe that this is freddy like freddy is here he's the one attacking all these people but i would have loved to see the flip side of that of like all his friends and like people that he goes to school with are like freaking out because it's jesse running through like slicing all these people up like i think that sort of dynamic they they tiptoed around it but they never really like jumped ship into it and like i was disappointed by that i was like yo that could have been so cool like why didn't y'all do that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was very limited thought in that approach. They were just like, "This is <laughs> this is going to be really cool, like him coming out of his body, and like, and then it's mm-hmm. like, and then also like, if that was happening, why isn't Jesse dead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's, it's yeah, it just feels like a lot of like missed opportunity for like um, like conflict between Jesse and Freddy. I don't, and I think that's one of my biggest problems with this film was that I don't feel like Jesse is given a chance to fight back at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's really disappointing as like, you know, we're following our hero throughout the story 
and he we never have a moment where Jesse gets to fight back. He is just he just overcome and then disappears for the entire climax of the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, which is so strange, and I I don't know I I don't feel like I see that in any other sort of slasher film. Usually, our you know quote unquote final girl, if that's what we want to consider Jesse, like has a chance to sort of rise up and fight against Freddy or whoever the killer is. And I don't feel like we get that. So they they've so many missed opportunities, um, you know, with a story between Freddie and Jesse in general, which is really kind of disappointing. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, they did all uh, this movie's basically a whole nightmare on Elm street that has nothing really to do about dreams, which is like, how are you yeah. going to take that? The most important aspect of Freddie and be like, nah fuck it we're gonna go to the real world like (laughs) yeah because even the things that i thought were happening in dreams were happening in real life like there's a part the bar the bar bar i was like i'm sorry what's up and then and then like his gym teacher being there in in leather and taking him back to the school and like punishing him at, at like, presumably 1 a.m in the morning and then making him go shower right. alone i was like if this isn't a dream then i don't know what to say because this is nuts i was so <laughs> shook when it was like revealed that that whole sequence wasn't a dream i was like wait yeah. i'm sorry he was really doing all of that he like, also was able to get into the bar <laughs> buy a drink i was like what <laughs> the fuck? this D- is not he's drenched in sweat his shirt was like unbuttoned for some reason <laughs> or the buttons were like his all the way was down hanging on by a thread by yeah, a literally. single thread yeah and i was and, and honestly <laughs> like i to me like that scene is super weird to me because i feel like they kind of like play up this aspect and I've got again I mean this is coming from the gay undertones of the movie <laughs> that I don't even think are mm-hmm. undertones I think they're overtones I think they're highlights oh no <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like um they're playing up this like Jesse's supposed to be you know like cute or sexy and like there's lines about it and they're like he's shirtless and he's dancing and I'm like is he supposed to be hot <laughs> oh my god i mean i think i think he's like 80s hot he's like 80s next boy next door cute really you know i think yeah i mean you even listen to it in the documentary like they are constantly referring to him as having a beautiful face and maybe that's just you know his, his yeah. own thing and maybe I that's how he perceives yeah, himself he's, he, he's like he said even says he was like what is something like I was born a beautiful boy or something, something <laughs> oh, weird yeah. like that? <laughs> I was like, okay, but yeah, he's they like every time they show him, he or anytime he's talking about him, it's it's so like very sexual. They're always like giving him all of these yeah. compliments. Lisa immediately is in love with him. Grady hates him, but then all of a sudden now he's like we should be best friends and like we're going <laughs> to yeah. do all of these things that, together. And that's another thing too. Is Jesse desirable or is he like, is he getting, is he like a, you know, does he get bullied? Like I couldn't tell who Jesse was in this movie. I'm like, is he cool? Is yeah. He yeah, like, cool? It, it, yeah. Yeah, I know. That one girl thought he has a nice ass. So I don't know, maybe. So I guess. <laughs> and I'm like, so what are we looking at? Popular. I'm like, are we talking about Grady? I think Grady was good looking, kind of. But I'm like, Jesse? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know why Freddie wants him. Like, <laughs> the, the start of this movie is just like so rocky, it feels like. And I part of me almost feels that that has to do with the kind of I thought was weird ending of the first movie because they tried to like set up the sequel or whatnot. But going back to what you said, Erica, about like why would he want to leave the dream world and, or like what he's been doing in that five years, I think because we didn't get literally any of that in the beginning, like it was really hard to kind of set this movie up as to like, yeah. hey, what, what the fuck does Freddy even want right now? Like, why hasn't he done shit for five years? Like, is he, atta- is he only attached to this house? Like, there were so many questions that the movie didn't answer when it started that by the time you're like 30 minutes in and you're already like in time invested in the movie, it's like, well, clearly they're not going to answer these things. So I just got to kind of sit along for the ride at this point because like they never went back to answer those questions. Those questions to this day are still not answered. Yeah. And the five year thing was kind of like an afterthought too. It was just like, um, 
uh, five years ago. Da, 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 da. I'm like, five years ago? I'm like, didn't this movie come out the next year? Yeah. Why did, it, <laughs> like, it, why did they make it five years? It could have been like, oh, yeah, months ago this thing happened. And so now we're moving in. Like, why did you guys make such a big gap? What, and then they try and like, when there's a, when Jesse finds like Nancy's diary and they're trying and they're oh, reading yeah. through it and Nancy wrote it's when they were reading it I was like is Nancy like an erotic fan fiction writer yes. the things that she wrote Absolutely. in her diary seems so out of character for her but also you know through reading the diary it's like we're supposed they're, they're supposed to be getting all this information but it just seems so last minute where they were like oh we need to like we need to add this in to tie it into the last movie. I'm like, if you're gonna, right. if you're yeah, gonna go, it's such an afterthought. Yeah, I'm like, just be different from the last movie. That's that's what you want to do. Like, I don't know why you're trying to tie in Nancy and the house and like, it's yeah, too especially much. we're gonna half-ass it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also, <laughs> am I forgetting something? But does the house even have anything to do with Freddy? I don't think so. No. Well, if it like specifically the, the house, like the house. I don't think it was no. like the house. I think in the first movie they find his glove in the basement, but I think that's because the mo- Nancy's mom kept it, kept yeah. it right. after they killed Freddie. Um, right. But outside of that, I don't think so. I think that's yeah, like the only like, thing. That, he's not like some poltergeist that's like <laughs> haunting the house. Like right. It's, it's a completely different sort of lore. So why even know? do that? But honestly, it's, I also, I'm, I, the, what confuses me, one of the things that confuses me about this franchise is why Elm Street? <laughs> like mm. what? It's Springwood. Right. Like what does Elm Street have to do with yeah. anything? You know, why not George That's Washington true. Boulevard? Fifty you fourth know, like, you know. <laughs> like, and Crenshaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Why? Why this street? Well, <laughs> it's true. So wait, was I'm trying to think because honestly, it's been a little bit. Like, did he get? killed on elm street is that what it was or was his house on elm street i think what it's supposed to be is that all of the parents who killed him now live on elm street or like which is hella convenient yeah they all move next door to each other on elm street or something in that way that Hey, we just <laughs> murdered somebody. Y'all want to yeah. start a community? Hell yeah. Yeah, Come yeah on. they're like party on <laughs> Elm Street. Really like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, they're like the, the block party is themed every year. Yeah, it's Freddy theme. <laughs> but yeah, I think I you know I think that's what it is. It's just that everybody that he originally was gonna get revenge on is on Elm Street. But that's another thing in this movie, is it's like really everybody everybody that dies in this in this movie only dies because Jesse just so happens to be around them at the moment. It's like it has nothing to do with Freddy wanting to kill people. It's just, oh, Jesse is like... in the room. Yeah, Jesse's in the room. (laughs) I guess I got to kill this person now, (laughs) which also just seems so out of place and random well it's un it's unfucking motivated because like at least in the first movie you get the whole revenge thing where he's like all right all your parents killed me so i'm killing all y'all like it's very clear cut why freddy's out to get these people but in this one he's just killing willy-nilly he's just like "Ah, i want to kill people but I need a oh body, so Jesse, yeah, that, come on. That pool party scene is just hack oh and slash God. whoever. <laughs> that would be- you know, whoever's running by in their bikini like, just yeah. is getting it. Yeah. And he looks what? so small. Like when they show the, the pan out, yes. he looks so small compared to everybody else. I'm like, somebody just tackle him. What are you guys doing? Yo, so real quick. So one of the reasons why, or uh, well, there's two reasons why Wes Craven actually didn't come on to uh, this movie. And... I mean, outside of, like, he didn't like the script, but there were two specific reasons why. The first one, <laughs> which I agree with, was the demon parakeet scene. Like, what oh, the fuck? Oh, was I was just going to say that. I'm like, who killed the parakeet? <laughs> was he, try- was he trying to possess Jesse? Was he trying to possess Jesse and he accidentally ended up in the bird? <laughs> I was like, oops. So just killed the other bird and, <laughs> and then exploded into flame. Exploded. 
Hilarious. I sat there. I was like, what am I watching right now? This tiny little bird. Like, everyone's like, hey, oh, no, no, no. Hurt me. It, like, <laughs> it, like, flies by the dad. And he gets, like, the tiniest little scratch on his cheek. He's like, oh, yeah, God. Yeah, the way, oh, the way oh, he the falls back was like he just got stabbed. But I'm like, sir, <laughs> a parakeet just flew into your cheek. I think you're okay. <laughs> and then he has that enormous bandage on his face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when a bird gets out of its cage, I get scared. Yeah, I do. I certainly. <laughs> They're scary. <laughs> so that was that was the first reason why, and then the second one was he hated the pool scene specifically because he knew that Robert England was a little bit on the shorter side. So he was like, "This scene's not gonna work because right. if you have him stand next to all these people that are clearly bigger than him he's going to look so tiny and unopposing <laughs> and, and the writer was like eh I like the scene though and like kept it in so Wes Craven was like nah I'm not putting my name on this one good and for it, him yeah I mean I, he, he, he knew before the movie was even made that this wasn't really going to be like his version of what Nightmare on Elm Street was and even in an interview um, Shoulder the director said admitted that he didn't even really like the first nightmare on elm street so like he wasn't really worried about making the second movie like a continuation he was just like eh it was okay i'm gonna do my thing with this one which we saw how that worked for him <laughs> with this film yikes i mean yeah it's it's just such a weird choice because it's like you take freddie out of the dream world you take away his power and so having him there with a bunch of people i don't understand why nobody could fight back at him but it also doesn't make sense because it seems like even though he comes out of the dream world it almost seems like he does still have his powers like he can make fire yeah. Like yeah, he blew, he yeah he turns into fire when he yeah. runs through the hedges. Yeah, like, he's like yeah. he's like David Copperfield now. All of a sudden, he's like doing all these magic <laughs> magicians. Yeah, which is yeah, he's, weird. he's an illusionist now. Yeah, and I was like, okay, and he has all of these weird things. Like he has the little dogs, the baby faced. Oh yeah, baby. Oh, oh, what what the hell was that? <laughs> I feel like that was just like a cheap attempt at like making dream things happen yeah. i feel like they're like oh god we haven't done a thing dreamlike in this film yeah. Shit, mm -hmm. should who has their dogs on set great put this baby mask i found <laughs> it was like what Ugh. yeah and they look yeah. ridiculous oh they look so like fred freddie felt just so unimposing in this movie and i think that was like a big that for me there were a lot of things that i could let go because there were like good ideas that kind of flopped but I feel like for me, the biggest offender of this movie is like they really lost what Freddy kind of stood for in the first one and like what made him so scary. Like, right. I think that was the unforgivable part for me because I'm just like, I'm watching the movie happen and like I get what's going on with him changing into Freddy, but it just doesn't feel like it really means shit because like, yeah, he's like killing people, but A, these were the wackest kills of all time like yeah. come on and super stupid but also like not that many like when mm -hmm. you think about it who how long do we have a huge we have a huge gap in like one person dies like in the majority of the first half of the film like he's not even killing people like who's even scared of this person at the moment you know like it's just, we where's the revenge hey, freddie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where's the revenge <laughs> We go from teenage boys being turned into little, little fountains of blood to right. a guy getting spanked in the shower and his yeah. back sliced twice. Like, yeah. and he's dead. He's dead. Spanked to death. Right. And that's, th that's like the only kill in like the first half of the movie. And also so embarrassing. If I was going to get killed by Freddy, <laughs> I would feel so upset if he stripped me down naked, spanked me, and then left me to be found like hanging by jump rope. By jump rope. Yeah. That's so disrespectful. Like, uh, every scene that is like dreamlike, like from the snake to the shower to the brains of the verse of the body, seems like a setup for a porn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, this is totally. about to get real steamy and real sexy. <laughs> and yeah. then it's like this stupid ass movie. I mean, I mean it's the, the scenes are written very poorly. 
Oh yeah. yeah. I think the yeah. writing is like one of, if not the biggest offender too, is like the, the writing in this movie just seemed trash. And like, you, I feel like part of that comes from, I think both the director and the writer not really appreciating what Wes Craven was trying to do in the first one and being kind of set on doing their own version which just fell flat because it's like people are watching this because of the first one. Yeah. Like this is very clearly one of those sequels that people are going to because of the things they loved in the first one. If you just scrap all that shit, clearly you're going to piss people off. And if you look at the yeah. IMDb for the writer, this was the first thing he ever wrote. And I know in the documentary, they're like the, you know, it was given to an up and coming writer. I'm like up and coming. You mean brand new? <laughs> and why, when you're making a sequel to a blockbuster hit, why would you put it in the hands of an amateur writer? And it totally yeah. shows. Oh yeah, so it's like, yeah. And he and he obviously came in with an agenda. Like going back to again to that Scream Queens documentary. Like he came in like one of the weirdest parts about that finding out about when he wrote the movie was that he like wrote it purposefully homophobic. Yeah, you know, like because of the climate of like the 80s and what was going on with the AIDS crisis and everything like he specifically wrote this movie to be homophobic. So he went into this movie with an agenda, but not like um, a care at all in the world about the first movie and all, everything that they set up, which is like really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing that, too, and wondering, like, honestly, how fucking true that was and how much of that was him kind of saving face for the reaction that the movie got because sure, like yeah. he said that and i feel like watching the movies like i i could see the like homoerotic parts of it but sure. like i don't see where the homophobic part was like if that's what that that was his intention that's what he was going for i didn't see that anywhere in the movie it seemed like you were doing the complete opposite um, which I think is, I mean, just going down this route of talking about the, like, subtext and all the stuff around this movie. Um, like, Mark like Mark Patton's always talking about how he was pissed off that the writer wouldn't just admit that, like, yo, you wrote this to be a gay horror film, just say it. Right. And he was adamant about it being like, no, 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 that's not what I was doing, blah, 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 blah. Which, I don't know, what are your guys' feelings on the whole, uh, I guess, beef between them? Well, even in the beginning, like in the beginning, well, like when he said originally back in the day when it was first got brought up, he said, oh, no, it wasn't my writing. It was Mark Patton being too gay. And it's like, but I don't even think that he comes off as gay. Sure. His scream is a little jarring, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's but his performance is, I don't think, is a standout as gay. It's more of the interactions, the coach and the bar, oh, yeah. and the moments the between dialogue. Jesse and Grady, mm-hmm. the moments between Freddie and, and Jesse. It's like... Uh, yeah, these are the things that are out of the hands of the actor. Like, at some point, mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge the fact that it's not the actor's job to write this scene in the movie. How can he take credit for that? Like, that's not his fault that you wrote a gay S&M bar into your film, a spanking scene, um, you know, in a, in a locker room. You know, these are things that are not part of the actor's job. So to blame an actor for that is very ridiculous and, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, unfair. Un- it's totally unfair to Mark Patton um, to blame him like that for it. So I, I, I do feel for Mark Patton in that sense. Like yeah. I do feel like he was unfairly targeted, you know, because of the backlash of the film. Like they're like, how do we need a scapegoat to kind of, you know, so I can continue my career. Yeah. Let's put it on him, mm-hmm. you know, and that sucks. I feel bad. I do feel that. bad for him, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he kind of blames Nightmare on Elm Street 2 for having his career never taken off, but it kind of seems like all of them, like none of their careers took off. <laughs> so it wasn't yeah. just... talking about Meryl Street plays Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is Meryl Street. She did. It- it, it, <laughs> it freaked me out when I was watching the movie the whole time. I was like, is that Meryl Streep? And then, and then she started acting and you were like, that's definitely <laughs> not, Meryl not Meryl Streep. <laughs> Homies, it's not Meryl Streep. Yeah, you're like, no, nope, nope, not Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to the writer, I'm like, don't blame Mark Patton's performance. Blame all of their performances. I don't understand why out of everybody, because yes, Jesse technically is like the scream queen meant to like of this film, but... This is very much like 
an ensemble movie. I mean, Lisa gets almost mm-hmm. as much time in this movie as Jesse. And like Coach Snyder is in this movie way too. Like <laughs> way there's too all much. these characters that are in this movie like a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I don't understand why. I mean, I guess, yes, he definitely got the brunt of the lines that were you know, I mean, you can't write for him to say things like, oh, he wants to be inside of me and things like that. And then be like, I don't understand why people think that there's. Yeah, it's his fault. <laughs> yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's like specific moments, too, that are like kind like very like a gay, almost like a gay storyline, because it's like when Lisa tries to get sexy with him and he can't. So where does he go? To Grady's house. Yeah. And yeah. Yes. Close to I was like, like, I need to stay here tonight. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, like, okay. Let me sleep. Let me sleep here tonight. And he's like leaning over the bed. I like, and I was like, <laughs> and that was another moment where I was like, why are why are all the buttons on your shirt undone? Why are you sweating? They're never all the time? they're never buttoned. They're never he, this man never has a, a fully buttoned shirt. Like ever. And also <laughs> Grady, you know, for however you feel about him in the beginning of the movie, he showed that he was a real one during that <laughs> scene because his friend just told him that he committed murder and he was like, all right, bet you can sleep yeah. on my couch. Like, <laughs> like get some sleep, kid. I was like, excuse Honestly, me? I, I was way more invested in their love story than I was mm-hmm. Jesse and Lisa's, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to see that through, but um, unfortunately, that was not, that was cut short I know. when you know, yeah. Grady dies. I know. I know. I think what Grady is the most interesting character in the movie. <laughs> I was like, he should have gotten more of an arc. Like, it should have been about two boys like, <laughs> fighting off <already. laughs> a, a buddy, but, uh, A budding romance. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, for how much this movie gets called like the gayest horror movie of all time, if it actually was, it probably would have been a better movie. If they just leaned oh, yeah. into it and made it like a gay pride film, it probably would have been a lot fucking yeah. better because you could have explored shit like that where it's like, actually, Lisa, you're not the one. Grady, though? And they have, they have way more chemistry than Lisa and Jesse do. I'm sorry, that makeout scene with them, that they oh should have cut out. A lot of that because <laughs> what? when he was like when he's like licking between her boobs, like, Jesse is kissing down her stomach in between her boobs for at least forty five seconds, and I and she's loving it. I was like, girl, what's going on? Because he's like, it's not like he's going lower, and he's not going. He's just like at like right above her belly button. Yeah. Like kissing her for yeah, forever. And he's like, this and, is it. This is the spot. And that, that's the <laughs> moment where I was like, I just, just doesn't seem like they should be together. And like the whole thing, I can see when I tried to watch this again underneath his lens of saying like, oh, there is like homophobic tones. So this, this last time when I watched it, I was like, let me try and see it from that way. The only thing that I could maybe like the only way I can make the plot fit and make sense for that is if he's trying to say that Freddie, if Freddie is like Jesse's sexual desires and like him wanting to come out and, and he's writing that as being like very animalistic and like unnatural for Jesse. And that's like something that shouldn't be happening and then only by kissing lisa is he able to get away from that and Mm. then like going back down the straight path and like getting rid of that angry monster inside like that was the way that i could see it from the evil within (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's like the only way i could see that but okay yeah I, i see that too i also think it's a little bit of like um maybe portraying him as weak like i, I, I kind of mm-hmm. said this before you know jesse doesn't really have a chance to confront freddie ever and you know he's sort of just he's almost sort of like like castrated in a way like he has no balls to fight back and that you know he has to resort to having lisa 
you know, end up being the hero in order to save him because he's so weak that he's not, you know, that like maybe gay people aren't capable of, you know, I don't know. He's not a real man who could fight back. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, even, even, even this woman, you know, in eighties speak, you know, how they sort of viewed women portrayed them. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe like her, she has to save the day because he's not even capable of saving himself. Like I was like, maybe it's something like that. Um, I don't yeah, know. and it's like her kiss yeah. that frees him from oh, the yeah. curse of Freddy. Yeah, yeah uh, the the woman, yeah, the woman's kiss, not the man's kiss. Yeah, yeah even though he was like both lips deep in between her boobs, like a couple <laughs> yeah. minutes before that, that didn't do it. But a small peck on the lips was able to like fully quell. Um, well, they Kruger. hadn't said I love you yet, so. Yeah. They had to say that. Well, that, was my, that was like my question. I'm like, do they really love each other? And like, honestly, if I was seeing no some way. guy that I was into and we were hanging out and all of a sudden he turned into Freddy Krueger and I had the opportunity to kill him, <laughs> I would kill him. I would not be like, I can't. Yeah. I won't. I love yeah. you. It's like, no, you're going down. And all her, all her <laughs> friends are dying and she stops her dad from shooting him. I was like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, what? No. Yeah. She's that. She. She's that. Th- she's that theater girl who has a crush on her gay best friend. Like that is. Yeah. That is what she is. Mm-hmm. She is. You know. She's like in love with him, and like he's, and you know he's not ready to come out, so he's sort of like, yeah, baby, I'm into you too, but, um, but we know the truth. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. They do like a couple's costume for Halloween, like every year together. Yes. Yeah, su- yeah, Sunny and Cher, but they're switched. <laughs> could see that that whole homophobe homophobic part of it though like i can't see it yeah. now that you've explained it that way i'm like oh okay yeah totally yeah <laughs> yeah like there are de- there are definitely ways that 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 interpretation is valid like for sure i would say yeah i still think it was because, a bit yeah, of a stretch yeah. for him but I mean, yeah, yeah I, st- totally. I do still think that was him trying to save save face and be like, oh no, 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 I wasn't writing a gay movie, guys, and it's like, no, eh, you kind of were, and like, I don't, yeah, I just, don't know. Can you imagine if they remade this movie? Like <sighs> they, they they like sort of took back the power and like wrote like Roshane, like what you said, like mm-hmm. uh, if they leaned into the gay thing, like yeah. what the, like in twenty twenty or wherever, whenever, like. That could be a good movie. Mm-hmm. It, it could be, be like, it could be a good movie too. And like the other the other thing is like even watching this movie, it could just be watching it from a 2020 lens too of like had I not been told before that this was supposed to be the gayest horror movie ever before watching it, I might have picked up on a couple of things, but that wouldn't have been at the forefront of my sure. mind because it just seemed very normal. Like I didn't get any of that vibe from Jesse really. Um but yeah, it's just I don't know. I also really, I realize I do not like, after watching the documentary, I fucking hate the writer, dude. Like, yeah. I just, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he uh... just, he looks like a basement, like, <laughs> keyboard warrior. Like, you know, like, yeah, control. 100%. And <laughs> yeah. even when he was, like, having his, like, quote unquote, like, reunion with, like, Mark, he felt very, like, he apologized, I guess. Mark said he apologized. I didn't really hear it myself personally. Yeah. But, like, he really felt like he was deflecting a lot of the, like, oh, I mean, you know, this should happen. Because and... he does not feel bad. No. I can't imagine that that this thing that he did 30 years ago to this person he does not give a shit about anymore. Like, I yeah. don't think he really cares. And it was probably like, well, whatever, I'll talk to this guy. And that sucks yeah. for Mark because, you know, this is obviously something that was a huge deal to Mark a Patton huge to have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this guy could literally have given yeah. two shits and was like, okay, yeah, I hope we can move on from yeah. that. But honestly, <laughs> even listening to the conversation leading up to that, like Mark talking about himself and his career and him talking to the other actors who were just like so happy go lucky. Like I'm at this convention. Great. You know, it kind of seemed like, and I'm not to, you know, take down a fellow gay or anything, but it just seemed like the delusions of Mark Patton. Like we're just Mm -hmm. like, there's just like all these ideas that he has about himself that I mean, maybe because I wasn't a child of that era that I just am like, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it, it's hard. He he is obviously incredibly traumatized by what happened to him, and you know. But there's you know, and like 
this became a huge debate in my house after we watched it. And, you know, there is sort of a responsibility that he needs to take as well. And he does finally own up to that after he has the conversation with David, the writer. And he was like, you know what? I think I was putting a lot of responsibility on him and I wasn't really... Um, you know, accounting for the things that I need to be responsible for. Like nobody forced him technically to leave Hollywood and, you know, shut down and all this stuff. Like there are things that he did that he also needs to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for why his career did not continue, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I don't know. This whole conversation he had with David was obviously very important to him. And I'm glad that he was able to sort of get that closure that he needed. But, um, you know, and he does have some responsibility in this as well. And I, I think by the end of the documentary, he does kind of seem like a more healthy or like a healthier, more well-adjusted person after it. So, I mean, good for him. I'm happy he had that moment. Um, but I don't think and anybody else really had the same, um, you know, intense feelings about it as he did. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And even like when they did their meeting in Florida, too, you can kind of get that vibe from everybody else because they were just all just kind of happy to be there and be like, oh, right. shit, what's up, guys? It's been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was definitely interesting to like see his perspective, though. And like, even though I hadn't seen the movie beforehand, like getting that little extra bit of knowledge of like what came because of the movie was very interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I had no idea that this movie had affected that kind of a like a fallout on yeah. you know, because it's one of those things it's like every horror not every, but most horror like franchises that have this many movies you always have that one that's just kind of silly and ridiculous. And I ne- but I never think, mm-hmm. I don't know, the horror community right. is one of those communities where even those movies are appreciated or, you know, loved by people. Yes, so exactly. I it, I never think like, oh, that maybe that fucked up their career or something. I'm just always like, oh, that's yeah. a weird one, but it's whatever. Yeah. But that's the flip side too, is there are people that love this movie though, like for their own personal reasons too. And like, you know, I got my feelings about the movie <laughs> itself, but of the course. fact that there are still people out there that appreciate this movie and like it actually did something profound and good for them, I think it's just one of those things that maybe that helped Mark in moving on or at oh, least totally. attempting to move on to like know that there's a whole community that was that benefited from him doing this project. Part of me felt bad that he took so long to kind of embrace that part of it because I kind of, I mean, it's hard to say because that was such a hard time to be in the spotlight and be gay Mm -hmm. during all of Mm -hmm. that, the crisis and everything. But it's kind of like, I, you know, part of me wishes that he would have just embraced the feedback that the movie got and just been like, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to be the gay, you know, spear and just go forward and just be like yeah this is this is what it is i am the screen queen (laughs) like just yeah but like but like he said in the documentary he wasn't even out yet he wasn't even Mm -hmm. outwardly gay you know he was still closeted he was still trying to have a career like it was it was like impossible back then to have a career as a gay man and like even he said like my agents uh said that walt you're screwed now you'll never be a leading man now we have to find a way to make you Mm -hmm. a character actor because you will never Mm -hmm. be cast as a leading man in hollywood ever again yeah And, and he was being told this in a time too where they didn't know that fast forward you know 30, sure. 20 years, yeah. whatever, that people would finally get their heads out of their ass and start moving towards actual equality within the field. So, like, yeah, probably he got a doomsday sentence back in those yeah. in those days. Yeah. Where it's just right. like, oh, well, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and that's tough. That's, you know, tough on a, on a young actor who's trying, you know, who finally feels like they have their big break. Like, imagine, like, getting your first you know big major motion picture and a huge franchise and then this is what happens like i don't know but to me that's yeah. it. don't you i can like i can understand how devastating if you is. thought your career was over and you kind of had to take a, a step back and be like okay i can't believe this is happening to me and you kind of had that breakdown wouldn't you just be like my career is over but instead of fleeing to mexico wouldn't you just wouldn't you just kind of like feel like you know what just if I don't have a career, then oh well, I'm just gonna come out and I'm just gonna try to be in the public eye as much as possible. Or no, yeah. you shut all the way I down. Mean, maybe 
I don't know. It's, it's, it was a different time. It was a time that I know. you know I don't think any of us lived yeah. in. So it's hard for me to sort of give it a hundred percent, like what I would do in that situation. But like I understand, like like I said before, like there is a part of the responsibility that does you know lie in his in his lap mm-hmm. um, because he didn't you know try to persevere he sort of ran from it so mm-hmm. um i don't know it's hard to it's say it's hard to say yeah, yeah. It's, hard it's, to say. It's, it's really hard to judge that too because it's like it's one of those times where it's like yo it's actually dangerous to just be yourself and yeah. like yeah. so keeping that in mind of just like outside of the oh my career is over like if you're afraid for your own safety like i get it totally. um yeah but i was gonna quickly say um before we give our final thoughts and rate this movie i did find one other interesting fact that i didn't want to leave without saying that both brad pitt and christian slater were auditioning for the part of jesse and mark got the role over both of them which i found very fucking fascinating over brad pitt in the 80s when he was so gorgeous (laughs) that that is insane but we I mean, could have had like, Brad Pitt Nightmare on Elm Street too. I wonder- <laughs> no, but then we wouldn't we wouldn't have the Brad Pitt we have now though because what if it ruined yeah. his career? Oh yeah, well, I don't right. know. We still got Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, and they were in that awful Texas Chainsaw movie. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I also feel like too though the way that the character of Jesse is written, I almost want like I almost feel like I can't. I don't know. I can't see Brad Pitt playing a character that can't fight back even then (laughs) even then just like the energy that he puts off i think it would have been hard to believe that like okay you can't like you're not even gonna try and like fight freddie at all (laughs) he doesn't maybe grady maybe i could see him as grady yeah i could see and i can maybe see christian slater as jesse uh, <laughs> yeah. No, he's definitely a Grady too. I think they're they're too bad boy. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, that would. Be... Yeah, they are some bad. <laughs> I boy. think if it was if it was Christian Slater and Brad Pitt as the two characters, then we probably would have gotten a gay love story because everybody would have wanted it. They would have wanted oh, to see. Oh, it. <laughs> Wait, but okay. This is what dreams are made of. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, before we rate it though, I just want to quickly go through what was like your guys' favorite wacky moment. Cause there's a lot of them and I'm just interested oh my gosh. in like, what was your top one? Uh, mine's the bird. They, <laughs> I mean, 100%. Yeah. 100%'s gotta be the fucking bird. That shit was ridiculous. <laughs> I would <laughs> the fact, also the fact that it burst into flames at oh, the end was just poof. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gone. The perfect ending. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that mine would be Jesse's nightmare where Freddie, him and Freddie have that moment. I just think it's like probably the most iconic moment of this film that defines the whole film all in one um, because you get a lot of Freddy and I think that's the coolest moment that he has in the whole movie um, and then you get that iconic scream from Mark Patton mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. it's so jarring but I think it's it's so <laughs> there's something so unique that they let him do that and that they didn't try to be like cut you know can you do it like a deeper yeah. they just went with it and I think I think it's a cool. I think it's a cool moment. I think Freddie's makeup looks great. I was great. impressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that is such a good scream. Actually, <laughs> that scream gave me shivers. I was like, God no, damn, it's, it's great. He's got a great set of lungs. Well, even when he first screams, when he's upstairs and it's off screen, I say, "Who was that?" Oh yeah. Does he have another sister? <laughs> and then he comes running down. He's like, "Hey guys!" I was like, "Who is that?" I'm also, who's still up there screaming? <laughs> Um, I would probably say my favorite like wacky scene is probably I mean I know this is also sort of an iconic moment is his little dance when he's like <laughs> unpacking his oh, room oh, what a moment I mean it is like so blatant the butt like if, you, you <laughs> the can't, twerk you can't deny the, the yes the, the twerk the, to the dresser <laughs> yes. oh my god he's like twerking on the dresser drawer when he's like with that little pop toy the, or whatever yeah, what? and just like <laughs> just jerking it you know just like <laughs> and with the to like the disco diva tunes mm-hmm. i was all yes i was like I jake wait. jake likes that scene because he let him borrow his sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> those gold ones i know you have yeah. a pair of those somewhere those, those glitter those glittery ass glasses no i think it's fun and wacky and weird and it's like why is this happening it's but so I random 
There's no, it is yeah. so random. There's not it's a, so it's not a campy though. movie if there's not like a, a music dance scene. <laughs> a in dance it, so. scene. Oh my right. God, I love it. Um, <laughs> I love the part <laughs> when when he finally comes out of the pool and there's the the guy who's like, hey man, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> and he like is walking up to Freddie really slow and he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. Just tell us what you want. And Freddie just chucks him across <laughs> the pool it's like, what so a hero. ridiculous i know i was like hero. all right we got a white knight folks <laughs> why would you do that it's like why did you do that it's so dumb and then like earlier on in that same scene when the everyone's trying to like climb up the fence and they show that shot of the guy that everyone's like trampling on top of it's like the scene in selena where that lady's being smashed up against, oh, no. <laughs> against the grate <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, oh that's where they got God. the inspiration from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Shall we shall we rate this? Rate yes. this. Like, what are we rating it out of? Um what should we rate it out of um Parakeets? Explosive explosive parakeets. Explosive parakeets. Explosive parakeets. I'm down. Let's do it. Do you want to go first, Erica? Oh, sure. Um, okay. I'm gonna go ahead and rate this like a two. I'm gonna rate it a two point five out of five explosive parakeets. <laughs> because yeah. I, I like this movie is just so weird it is fun though like i will say every time i watch this movie it, some like i forget enough things that when it comes up again i'm like t- taken aback and it makes me laugh because it is it has fun moments it's just the acting is so bizarre the writing of it makes no sense and like <laughs> it, it just is one of those like wild rides that i enjoy going down it does not belong in this franchise. Like I, it's not. It does not seem like a nightmare movie at all. I don't know why Freddie's even in there. To be honest, <laughs> he's I don't think there. he knows why he's in there. But yeah, he's confused. I think Robert England was like, <laughs> okay, but yeah. I mean, it's enjoyable enough. I think if you go into it in the mindset that it's going to be like none of the other ones in the series, and you don't take it too seriously, it's much more fun to watch than if you're trying to compare it to the first because if you're comparing it to the first it's like a zero but (laughs) a zero exploding parakeet (laughs) yeah (laughs) but if you take it as like its own thing take it as what it is and just have fun with it i think a 2.5 is fine (laughs) yeah i i would put it at for me probably like a one 0.5 0.5 exploding parakeets um <laughs> mostly because and that rating i think probably is harsher than how i actually feel about it but in terms of just i watched it comparing it to the first one and so like i have to put it like two or below and it's just like i think there were a lot of fun ideas that didn't get explored and I, the writing to me was just fucking horrendous. So like that, <laughs> that all those things kind of coming together, like for me, puts it at like a 1.5. The one pro I will add on top of here, I won't br- bump the score up, but I'll give it like a little bit of a pro is I did think when they really did the special effects and the practical effects that they were super cool to me like mm-hmm. the the iconic scene of him just bursting out of jesse like forever like weird and silly that is plot wise i thought that entire sequence from like his hand to like him just popping out was like super just gritty and gory and i really mm-hmm. enjoyed the effects portion of that i just wish the movie supported some of the cool effects that we saw totally yeah mm-hmm um frankie jakey whoever wants to go um i kind of agree with erica i would say 2.5 as soon as she said that i was like yeah that's exactly what i was thinking (laughs) 2.5 exploding parakeets out of five because um i think like you said roshane the uh, the practical effects are amazing i think freddie's makeup is awesome i do like the idea of the possession i just wish there was more of an explanation but the writing, the performances totally dragged this down. Just the, whatever narrative they were trying to give it totally
totally destroyed it. And I just think that, <laughs> but it's not unwatchable, which is why I'm putting mm-hmm. it at like a 2.5 because it's, it's not enjoyable, but it's watchable. Like you can sit through it and be like, yeah, sure. Like cleaning the house, maybe put it on in the background. as <laughs> noise. True. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Um, I would I would also give it a two point five out of or two point five exploding parakeets. Um, and I think and I and it by no means is this like a good film. Like it's a pretty bad film. But um, uh, I think I I kind of rate it two point five because I think it, uh, I really do appreciate what it did for like young queer people back then. I think it is important that they um that they've taken they've sort of taken it back. You know, this is a movie that came out and was reviled for um, the queer undertones or even just the blatant queer things about it. And um, for it to now be like sort of a beacon of light or just uh, a way for young gay horror fans to see themselves in in a horror film, I think it's really important. And um, I love that we've taken it back. And I hope that somebody like Mark Patton you know, now that he's been going around making the circuit, really um, embracing this performance. I'm glad that he's sort of on a better path, hopefully with it now, especially with the success of the documentary. And so I think what it means more, like what the film means gives a little bump for me to a 2.5 because I think it is like an important queer uh, step, you know, especially back then in the eighties and um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's what I feel about it. Yeah. True but that, like you said that. earlier, I would love to see it reinvented. Right? Yeah, Can you that'd be really. That actually, be Ryan really Murphy, cool. where are you at? Come on, <laughs> oh my God. yes. Come on, Queen, come over here and remake. <laughs> With um Evan Peters as Jesse. Oh my God, Evan Peters, <laughs> Emma Roberts, Sarah Paulson as Freddie, <laughs> Jessica Lang as Freddie, <laughs> Jessica Lang as the the coach. You know. <laughs> oh my God. Kathy gosh. Bates. Yeah. <laughs> But all right, that's that was Freddy's Revenge, homies. Um, if you guys are interested in, at all in the documentary that we were mentioning throughout, it's called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Right? Yeah. My, like my, yeah, my my Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, so yeah, it's called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's Mark Patton's documentary. It's on Shutter. Mm-hmm. If anybody is interested in checking it out and seeing. A little bit more about his thoughts on this movie um but yeah that is it for us today where can they find you when are new episodes coming out etc etc well our second season begins january 6th so that's uh wednesday january 6th we have new episodes every wednesday um you can find us on all major podcast streaming services spotify apple podcasts uh anchor and wherever you find your podcasts there we are we have new episodes every wednesday nice well uh same for us you can find us there um but our new episodes of course come out every monday um they are fear the talking queers on their social media and we are homies of horror on all of our social media or if you guys would like to email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com and as always homies please rate and review us on apple podcasts if you're liking what you're hearing let us know and same for them if you guys check them out and enjoy all of their episodes please give them a sassy little exploding parakeet (laughs) five exploding parakeets (laughs) how many how many would you give to them let us know (laughs) 2.5 But we hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you guys again for hanging out with us, Jake and Frankie. We had a lot of fun. And hopefully we can do it all again sometime in the future. (laughs) All right, homies. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Yep. Catch you later, homies. Bye.